We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Andy Lou, happy holidays, my friend. Happy holidays. Happy holidays, sir. Are you are you are you a holiday guy or are you just a Grinch? <laughs> Dude, I've never been a holiday guy. I've always been indifferent to the holidays. I've actually like traveled to like Asia during the holidays, but this year I'm the Grinch. This year I'm the Grinch because every single Bay Area team is miserable, so I'm unhappy. Risa says I am the biggest Grinch in the world. All right, let's say, hey, look, man, look, Steph's out. You know, the Giants are the Giants. We'll get to them. The Niners. Hey, Niners are good. At least you got that. You know I'm always angry about the Niners. You know I'm always angry. And the fact is, now I have nothing but the Niners left. You know what I mean? Until Steph gets back in in, in a week here or two weeks. So, you know, we'll we'll keep living with Brock Purdy. Save me, Christian McCaffrey. Save me. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to the game on Saturday. So if any of the listeners listen here and and, and are going to be at the game, you know, drink some beers. I'm going to somebody. I'm going to a run of the Lightyear's Goons tailgates. I don't Nice. I don't know his name, but he just he just like let me know how many mentioned. people come up to you and say I I have a I have a problem with what you say about James Wiseman. <laughs> what a segue! What a segue! <laughs> All right, so we're recording this a day after the Warriors one forty three one thirteen loss to the Brooklyn Nets, one and five road trip. Obviously, the biggest note from the road trip is Steph Curry got hurt. Probably wouldn't have gone one and five if Steph played. Definitely wouldn't have had those two disgusting, disappointing losses in New York mm-hmm. with 30-plus point margins if Steph played, at least one hopes. Um, and I don't know. Do we want to talk about that real quick before we get to it? Because I feel like this homestand will be season defined. Um, yeah, correct. But correct. before we get to that, Wiseman, 30 points in Brooklyn. Do you have any thoughts? <laughs> Set me up. Set me up. Um, wow. I'm throwing you. I'm throwing you a terrible post entry pass just like the warriors apparently do just like the warriors um look it's good that he scored 30 points that's pretty cool uh for a guy that has kaminga ever scored 30 points uh has uh summer league uh, yeah right <laughs> has has any of the warriors young guys ever scored bacall uh jordan bell any of those guys have they ever scored 30 points so I mean, like, we got had this... like 26 in a game last year i think that so that was as high but yeah, who did who did kaminga. Oh, okay Okay. Your, yeah. your point stands. That's that's kind of the point. Yeah. He's uh he is a offensive minded big man. I you know, I think it's cool that he's got to score that many. I'm sure he was very happy about it. Uh he was sitting in the G League for a long time and came back and got to do that, right? So I, I thought all that was pretty cool. It's it's good to see him succeed in that level. But if you tell me, if anybody tries to tell me 
that those 30 points mean that the Warriors are like the mean that the Warriors are set up for success with Wiseman this season. We all know that's wrong, right? So I, I don't, you know, we spent a lot of our last shows kind of talking about Wiseman, but I, that's that only thought is that if you think those 30 points is a good thing for the Warriors this season and it's going to be impactful, obviously incorrect, but I thought it was cool that he scored that many, right? Just good for him. But for the Warriors, I don't think it means anything in the, in the long term. Yeah, let's see if he builds confidence off it and it translates to game that matters. End of the day, he, when he was subbed in, they were already down 21 points. It was yeah. it was open run. The, the Nets were up 30 in the first quarter. Um, he showed off the physical ability that made him a top five pick in what was essentially open, open run. You know, a lot of really athletic plays with no one playing defense. Let's see, let's see if he can manifest this into you know some positive momentum and games that are hopefully going to be more competitive going forward yeah. that's really my only takeaway from it otherwise it doesn't really tell me anything um he looks physically good we knew that um okay let's get to what i actually wanted to talk about here which is i don't really want to dwell on this road trip any longer than we have to they lost Steph. we don't know when he's coming back what is interesting though is the Warriors have their largest homestand of the year coming up, eight straight games, and not just eight straight games um, at home, eight games over three weeks. So they got a lot of cushion in this schedule. And then to add to it, majority of the teams they're playing are bad. I mean, Memphis on Christmas, yeah, they're probably – Probably going to lose that one without Steph. Although you never know, home game on Christmas, some guys can get up. Wiggins you might get back. a big, you might, yeah, we expect Wiggins back. You might get Clay up for this game with a five day break. We know he yeah, shoots better when he has a longer break. Draymond, national TV. I, I remember during that awful uh, year where Steph broke his hand, the one Draymond game was Christmas where he's just like, Houston. man. Yeah. yeah, we're we're not going to win anything this year, but I just want to win this one. We're winning just this one. game. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So it's like you never know, but like you look at the schedule, they are at home from today, the 22nd. They don't go on the road again until Thursday, January 12th. That's three weeks at home with a lot of teams coming in. If Steph was playing, I would say they go seven and one, and this is really the span where they catapult themselves into you know getting out of the playing range they're, they're like firmly back into it obviously now this is more about like they need to get from 15 and 18 to hopefully around 500 when Steph comes back to make their run so it's a little disappointing but it is what it is you look at the schedule Andy and what what's your initial thought you see Memphis Charlotte yep. Utah Portland Atlanta who's in turmoil oh. Detroit who's straight up you know tank for one drama. Yep. Orlando, who's kind of tricky, but they are a young team going cross country. And then Phoenix. Those are all home games. One back to back. A lot of these games have two to three days off. I mean, it's it's really set up for the Warriors to kind of get the positive vibes back. What what would you consider success over this eight games? So that the one thing that jumps out at me is uh, that one back to back. Has it felt like the Warriors have played like 16 back to backs and they've had like four schedule losses already? Look, mm-hmm. life isn't fair, but that's a, that's a huge reason why the Warriors are a lot shakier than maybe the record shows. Uh, or sorry, 
more more shaky with the They're record than what they should. Yeah, yeah, than the resting guys. Yeah, yeah. yeah so it, I think that's been tough. Two gimme games is what that schedule looks to me. Two gimme games. Detroit is a gimme game. Charlotte is a gimme game at the front end of the back to back. You Warriors going to win both games. If you don't, we got bigger issues. Like you know, whatever. But they win both of those games. So that gives you six other games. Can the Warriors go 500 in these six other games outside of the two gimme ones? Because you know you could tell me Atlanta's a mess. You can tell me Portland's whatever. You can tell me Orlando's whatever. But those are going to be wars. Like I don't I don't see the Warriors winning any of those games by 15 points unless they go out there and play really really well. And we haven't seen that at all this season. Or Not st- or, or we get a great great news on the Steph front and yeah, he's sure. back on like you know. The, the first of January, which I it it just it sounds like he's probably going to be back at the end of the homestand, going onto the road. Like, like can, that, he, can he make it to that Phoenix game? Maybe they can win that one. That'd be really cool, right? Like maybe yeah. they win. Maybe they go, you know, five and two or or four five and three and or something, and then they can. And the, but they can finish out that homestand with the win with Steph back in Phoenix, and then they can go on their way. And by the way, they play San Antonio, Chicago, and Washington on the road after this home stretch, so it's even more winnable games. You got three more winnable games. After this homestand, mm-hmm. right? But I'm saying, I'm saying they need to go five and three. Uh, they need they need to have a winning record. Also, I think mentally, this home stretch requires them to tread water and just to play a lot better. I do think if Steph wasn't hurt, yeah, they may go seven one Sam, but do they? And I do think like so much of it was built upon the back of, hey, how great is Steph going to be? I do think this requires them to say. Jordan Poole, you got to play better. Clay Thompson, stop yeah. playing like an idiot. Draymond Green, let's not get kicked out of games every other game, and let's try to be, you know, the guy that you are when you get to play next to Steph, right? I think it does force those guys to play better, and I think that is good for the Warriors long term. But like you said, if it doesn't work out and they go one and seven, yeah, the season's probably over. But the schedule yeah, that's work that's. Out that would be the worst case scenario. Don't even put that. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, I agree with you. I think five and three should be the goal. Anything above that, thrilled. Um, anything below it will be disappointing. If they go five and three, they're 20 and 21 with Steph probably returning. Mm-hmm. Dis- it's official halfway point of the season. Disappointing. But when you look at the rest of the West standings, absolutely not out of it. You know, they're very much in the mix. If they had the worst case scenario where they go one and seven, or let's say two and six, two and six is probably a worst case scenario that could happen. Now they're 17 and uh, 17 and 24. And that's a lot of work to get out of that hole. It it doesn't sound like a big deal, but it, it kind of is. So to me, I'm looking at this Jordan Poole, Clay, Draymond. It comes back to those three. They kind of have to set the tone. You have a very favorable schedule, one back-to-back, a lot of games with multiple days off. I mean, they're going to play on the 30th, and then they don't play again until the 2nd. They're going to get three days off there. They're they're playing the 4th. They don't play till the 7th, and again, not till the 10th. There's a lot of time for Steve Kerr to get practice in there, or more importantly for the veterans, just to get a little rest in there and to kind of get moving forward and kind of get some positive momentum going. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Bob Myers had an interesting interview yesterday. I really do think this segment of the season with Steph's return will determine if they are buyers or sellers at the trade deadline. I really think it's that simple. Nothing is happening trade-wise before kind of the end of the month. That's just kind of how it goes. I think if the Warriors have a successful homestand, get Steph back and go on a run, they're going to force ownership to make a tough call because unlike last year, they're kind, they're very obviously in need of some help. Last year, I thought they needed help also, but you could make the case that they didn't. And obviously the result showed that they didn't, right? This year, they, they could make that, they, you can make a case that they need, they need some help. And it I is think they do. It is obvious. Yeah. I think the only way they're going to get it from, from management is if this team is sitting at that, six seven eight range and they clearly have something but they don't have enough so it forces management to go for it whereas you know if they keep falling apart can you really fault bob myers or joe lakeup for not going all in if they're 17 and 24 and they're the 11 seed like doesn't it feel smarter if you're there like just pack it up and play for the next year i don't know it's a tough question because I think you could still make an argument that even if they do drop out now, one and seven is tough. I mean, one and seven puts them like 10 games under 500, but like you can argue that can they get into the, like I would, I would still make moves if it means that you can get into the play in round. I mean, the team has shown those veteran guys that shown that they're good enough to win. So like, I don't mm-hmm. think giving up is an option. Obviously it is for them because they got to worry about tax bills and all that. It's not for me to worry about. But I would say, like, regardless of what happens on this on this homestand and moving forward, as long as you're within range of the plan, which if you look at the West standings, I mean, every everybody outside, like the Warriors are 10th or 11th. There's nobody behind them that are going to surpass them. Like we were thinking maybe the Lakers, but AD might be done for the season, dude. Like we just, we have no idea how long, he, when, when he's going to One month back. before even reevaluated, which almost oh. always means two months before he's on the court. And the Mid. thing is, like, when he comes back, it's his foot. Like, we're not talking about AD's left shoulder. Like, we're talking about a guy that already has issues, and he's going to have to come back and play at 150% just for the Lakers to have a, a chance. So if you look at the West standings, there's nobody beneath the Warriors that I think are going to jump them, right? So I think regardless, not regardless of what happens in the next few weeks, but they need to make a move anyway. Like, they yeah. need to make a move anyway, in my opinion. Um, I, I don't think I just I don't think they get to get let off the hook because this team doesn't do so well in the next few weeks. I you got you got to put some together. If you get in the plan, I'm not saying anything anything can happen. Meaning like they could still lose, <laughs> they could still lose sure. the playing team and get out of there. But it's still worth it. You go. You can't just punt a season with with Steph. We've talked about this ad nauseum. You just can't. 
I mean, he's playing like unanimous MVP. I mean, he, he kind of always is these days, but like he's playing as well as anyone. He's one of five oh. guys who's good enough to be the best player in the title team. Um, Bob Myers said this yesterday on 95.7 The Game. Will the Warriors make a move before the trade deadline on February 9th? I think at some point soon in the next few weeks, we'll have to decide what the answer to that question is. Such a politician. Um, I think that ties to what my question, though. It's like this homestand and Steph's return will define what management wants to do. Any way you put it. Like, I, I, I don't like the answer. But if they are still the 12 seed come January 25th, ownership could be could easily look at that and be like, we need to shed salary to save tax bill. We're not winning. We might as well trade someone to save some money. On the flip side, if they look good, ownership can go, we need to make a trade that makes us better because we have a chance to get 16 home games in the playoffs and pay that whole tax bill. You know, like I I hate to say it's all about the money, but it kind of is it. They're not running a $200 million tax bill to be the 11 seed and not even get any sort of playoff. But they're either going to go all in or they're going to go the other way. And and here's the thing. Here's the thing I will push. Here's the thing I will push back. What ownership is I'm looking at the West innings right now and it's rocket spurs. Thunder at randomly 14 and 18, so they're right with the Warriors. But how, how before long, how much do we think they're going to realistically keep trying to win games, right? And then you've got the sure. Lakers. Those are the bottom four teams of the Western mm-hmm. Conference. The Warriors are the fifth. <laughs> they, are the, they are the fifth team from the, yeah. from the bottom, right? And then above them, you've got the Timberwolves, the Mavs, the Jazz, the Blazers, and the Kings. So those are f- another five teams there that I think if you're the Warriors, you're saying – even without Steph, are we not in that tier or just better than them? You're telling me they're not better than the Wolves or the Jazz or the Blazers? Now, now you know, Clippers, Suns, Pelicans, Grizz, Nuggets, I'll give you those. Like, those I don't think the Warriors can get there, especially if they go, like, three and five or two and six in this homestand. But I would say even if you are within three games of the nine seed or the eight seed after this stretch, three games doesn't preclude you from going all in and trading guys and getting good players. Yeah. So, and I think they're gonna be in that range unless they go something ridiculous, one and seven. Or, it's just what I'm trying to say. Or the worst case scenario, some of the vets start having more physical setbacks. That's the other thing that could play into this. What if Draymond go hard. has a thing? Yeah, and that's kind of that gets back to why having a thin roster with a bunch of projects sets you up in a tough position. But I agree with you. Um, from a numerical standpoint, it's hard to not see them in it come the trade deadline, it's a question of how much they feel like they're in it. To me, the biggest way you could put pressure on the front office is if they go on a run. If they go on a run, you're going to look Steph Curry and Draymond in the face when they are, let's just say, the seventh seed come January 20th. But you know they're three games back of the four seed. So you know they're right there. They just need literally their bench solidified. You're going to look them in the face and be like, nah, we're good. I know you guys won a title last year with just some vet help, but we're good. We're going to stay out of it. So that's why I think that's why I really do think this next month will define everything. Like Bob Myers, his quote is again, he's a politician. He's saying, he's saying it the way he has to, but it's like kind of fair or not. They're going to have to, they're going to have to make the case here because I think I, I, I feel here's my prediction. 
there's zero chance that they get through the deadline without making a move. It's just a question if it's going to be a move to go all in or a move to go the other way. So let's, okay. So let's get into that then. Um, mm-hmm. What's the move all in and I, sorry, what, all in move. We talked about a million times. What's the move the other way? Um, there's a few ways you can go about it. The most obvious one would be trading Draymond. Find someone who wants them and get salary cap relief for future picks. Um, that so, one, I don't even like to talk about that, but like, if you're looking to save tax money, you know, moving Dante DiVincenzo, is it, is it like a, a tangible tax saving move? It's trading Draymond's $25 million contract and getting back only five, you know, well, that's okay. a move. That's a move. Like you're, you're officially saying we're not doing anything. This forever. Season by the way, forever. You're not talking about just season. See, you're talking about next season. And, and the way this is brought up because this was brought up on NBA, NB, uh, NBC, uh, sports with mm-hmm. Monte Poole and uh, and uh, Kareth. Kareth Burke, right? Friends so, of the show, friends of the show, and we. This is why it's brought up. It's not you and I didn't bring this up, right? We it was brought it's up by them, and just common sense. Well, it's not, it's, it's, I in in my opinion, it's brought up because somebody told him. Like it wasn't Monty didn't just hmm. say, "Oh, let's just let's just talk about them trading Draymond." Let's ruin everyone. Monty, Monty's Monty is like, "I'm a bigger Grinch than Andy. I'm going to ruin everyone's Christmas." <laughs> exactly. Like he's not Mont, Monty's. He knows. He knows what's going on. And and Kareth, same thing. Like they're not just throwing this shit out there because mm-hmm. they want to generate content. This was thrown out there because somebody put it in their ear, whether it be Bob or Steve or or someone more lower level. Ken, as as Fitz likes to talk to, so. I, I his think, text buddy. Yeah. His text buddy. <laughs> By the way, he's getting worse. And anytime the team gets like, like it's not, it's not like they're a lottery team. I actually kind of enjoy fits when they're a lottery team. It's not that bad, but it's when he's trying to sell stuff. That's when, anyway, I just think this conversation is brought up because somebody threw it out there and trading dream on and clay to your point, maybe is realistic. I would think it's extremely unfair to Steph because if you're trading Draymond. He still has so much value to the Warriors and winning a championship that you're you're basically throwing what in the towel, not just for this season, but for next. I'm playing devil's advocate here because uh, I don't believe this. Um, what if I tell you trading Draymond gets you assets that makes it easier for you to get the right replacement for him in the offseason next year? So you're telling me that trading Draymond is going to net me Pascal Siakam in the offseason, but because <laughs> that's the, that's the perfect fit and that's the player that the raptors are probably going to trade they're a mess sure you have to though you have to know or it's not it's not you can't get you can't have it done in the season but you have to know like 75 percent. you know in a backroom talk with masai Ujiri, you've got to be like hey you <laughs> like Wiseman simmons right <laughs> we had this conversation where i really like but by the way he's been playing better so good for him but he had no. he had Jordan Poole in hell. Yeah, uh, I mean for the, the five minutes of the game that was competitive. Siakam, Siakam's the guy, not Ben Simmons. He, Siakam's I, the guy that you need um, if you're going to replace Draymond. So you're going to have to tell me that. Hey, I know Jerry likes Wiseman. I know he likes Kaminga, right? I know he likes these guys, and I and I have an inkling that he's going to want to make that trade. And Pasco is available, and that we'd be at the front and center of that conversation. But if you don't know that. How the hell are you going to make that trade? How are you, even, you going to make that Draymond? Even in my scenario, you're you're dumping Draymond to get some picks, which you're basically saying the season's over, but we have all this stuff to go into the offseason. Um, 
you know, and go get the guy we want and have a better roster next year. Um, I don't like that personally. I th- I would prefer them just find a way either. to get like get like a uh, Pirtle or someone to like give you a little more depth and just go for it with what you have. But that's that's kind of the if if I was to sell you on a scenario which they go the other way, the other way involves probably moving Draymond, cutting your tax bill like way in half, um, getting some future assets, and then um, looking at your roster in the offseason, being like, it's a new day with the Warriors with a different roster. That's it, that's what going the other way would look like to me. It's also a bullshit scenario because they just won a championship with these same guys. Now, if you told me the Warriors lost in the second round to Memphis last season, I'm, I'm all ears. Like I'm looking at you, I'm saying right, like, they hit a where, ceiling. You're yeah. like, this is we need to do better. Okay, it's not gonna work. Like it's not gonna work. Draymond's not good enough. Fine, but we just saw them win it all. And so I think, yeah, sure. Would I like Siakam? But dude, I know that the Warriors top six and seven are good enough to win a title. So why the hell are we messing around? If it's a tax thing, then Wiseman's making twelve million next season. Dump him. You know what I mean? And like to, what, your, what, to your point, the Warriors starting lineup still has the best net rating in the NBA. So. Until we know that there's like a better five man group, the moves they should probably be looking to make are marginal moves to like not have Looney and Draymond running dead because they have to play 40 minutes a game in round one. You know, the difference between I think like how Bob Myers and Joe Lakeup works and, and what Farhan's ID has done with the Giants, like I think the Giants like doing marginal moves, and then the mm-hmm. Warriors, like they're not making a move unless it's like a massive like gamble, they which really, is interesting. My man, they really are. Should we just get to this? They really are kind of opposite organizations in in positive and negative ways. Like sure. how many times have we been like, why can't the Warriors just make a shrewd marginal move? You know? Um, yep. And then yep. with the giants, it's like, okay, dude, you have a roster of Juan Toscano Anderson's, you know, <laughs> like it's um, it's funny. I'll, I'll share this. Like I know the Warriors have felt that they don't want to be the giants there. This was, this was something that was said to me that when um when they were in that tanking year and they got Wiseman they're like we don't want to be the giants where we have a bunch of old stars and nothing in the pipeline and we're a last place team so kind of what the giants were around 2018-19 just take I'm taking you back in time that time and so that's why they're so obsessed with the two timeline plan because they don't want to be stuck in a situation like the giants are right now um and I get it, but I also I'm looking at this. I'm like, you're not there yet. You're you're not. You don't have 34 year old Crawford and Belt, you know, doing something like that. You should be going for it a little more. The Giants at that state, and also as much as I love Brandon Crawford and Brandon Belt, and even Buster Posey, those guys aren't even comparable to Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, and especially Steph Curry. Love yeah. Buster. Right, he's won the MVP, but he is not even on the level of Steph in his sport. Like Steph is Steph. on the Barry Bonds. Yeah. Barry Bonds is the closer comp. It's the, cl- like exactly. the yeah. exact player. Even Mike Trout, who's one of the best players, and, and Shohei's on his own kind of thing. But even like, let's say Aaron Judge, who just got you know X amount of three hundred sixty mm-hmm. million, it's not even close to Steph Curry's level. More, more of a Jokic. <laughs> <laughs> like it's just, it's such a different thing. Where mm-hmm. the Giants, they had aging guys who were always good above average players but just not on the same level as, mm-hmm. as Steph so I I'm with that also totally different sport I mean just totally sure. different sport where 
you just have guys that are so much more impactful with the Warriors just on a day-to-day level and game-to-game. Um, I don't know. You want to talk about Korea for a little bit, or do we have some Warrior stuff? Because, I, I, you know. Yeah, um, let's let's get to it because I do think it kind of, to your point, I've, we can get annoyed with the Warriors all we want. No chance Joey Lightyears is having a Korea fiasco happen on his watch. <laughs> I'll put it that way for sure. Um, man, we're now, uh, what, two days removed from it? Yeah. So, like, you've had a little time to marinate. Where, where are you at? I think I've had two... Okay, I, you could count three. I was pretty young when the Giants lost the World Series in 2002. But here are the two worst moments in my various sports career. Number one is a 3-1 lead that the Warriors blew in the NBA Finals. Number two is each of the Super Bowls that the Niners lost, both of mm-hmm. them with Harbaugh and Kyle Shanahan, uh, to, to Patrick Mahomes. The nature of them. Joe yeah. Flacco is pretty bad. I mean, losing to Mahomes is fine, but losing to Joe Flacco is pretty bad. Uh, those are the top two worst moments. This is number three. I mean, this is right up there. And to me, it's because the Giants told us that they were going to spend money. The Giants had a bunch of money to spend. The Giants signed the dude. They actually had the guy. If they had just not signed Correa and he went to the Twins, I actually wouldn't have been mad. I would have been like, fine. We knew, like, we knew that was coming. He's going to the Dodgers or whatever. But the Giants signed him. And then we find out that they never tried to renegotiate with Scott Boris, despite the fact that they said there was something wrong with the fiscal. We will never know what it is. I know maybe Sam sources will tell us what it is, but they never. And then, and then on top of that, per sources, the ankle and yeah. by per sources, I mean, I think three articles mentioned it yesterday. <laughs> so, so not really. But. And then nobody ever came out to tell us what it was. And now I don't, Bro, care to blame for anxiety or the ownership. Like maybe it's one of them. Maybe it's both of them. It's probably all of them. But, dude, when you do this and you set the expectations and then you actually blow through the expectations and then you act like an amateur organization, you act like the uh, the, the Suns, right? You act something like that or the, or the Clippers when, when uh, the dude was like, what are we doing here? I feel mm-hmm. like I was watching a team that was three World Series championships, one of the top five teams in baseball just in terms of name and and, and, and value and all of that. And now it's like, man, I don't think they're the A, Sam. I don't think they're the A's, but they are like a, man, they are like a mid-tier organization at this point. Maybe like one of the lower-tier organizations in baseball, which really sucks. It, it's like Cohen Era Warriors when we were growing up rooting for them. Like bottom-tier organization. Clown show, right? It's what it feels like. Dude, and Scott Boris is out here just <laughs> over and over again. Let's listen to this quote. Oh, boy. They told you they were calling off the press conference. We were all in the hotel in San Francisco. He had his parents there, his brother, uh, his his wife's parents. Um, it was uh, certainly a roller coaster for the Korea family. Was he in the room with you, or you called him in his room? I, I called him to my room, and uh, so he came into your room. Yeah, he came into my room. What was his reaction? Um, he was obviously surprised. You know, as we all were, frankly, we're very surprised. Oh, my his goodness. Parents, his family. Scott Boris is a step away from crying. Talking about how Dude, hard this is for It's just levels. Best agent in the game. Um, whether you either you like him or, or dislike him, he's good at his job. Also, the Giants try to ruin the contract, and he finds another team to just give him 300 off the bat. Like, yes. that's just... just 
amazing, but I've, I can't think of ever seeing anything like this. Uh, it's to me, it seems like it was ownership. Um, it seems like someone got cold feet and they tried to manufacture an excuse to get out of it. Mm -hmm. And that's the sort of thing that has ripple effects. So like as annoying as everything with the warriors is right now, I try to remember, you know, it's like, Hey man, their reputation's still very good with players, and that's what matters. Now you wonder about the Giants, like uh, show you know is, is Shohei is a free agent? That. Yeah, would he? They were probably on the list if they get Correa, and you know they're doing yeah. some other stuff. Now it's yeah. like, no, no, uh, I'll you know it's like it's Mets, Yankees, Dodgers, a few other teams, you know that type of thing, and those are kind of you know. I guess what I think about the Warriors a little bit, like that's the other part I think about with their core. It's like, how do you do this in a way that doesn't like blow all your goodwill and turn into a complete tire fire? Like what's going on with the Giants? Because I, I, I think like people have mentioned like Wiggins is eligible for trade coming up. And it's like, dude, if you trade Andrew Wiggins, by the way, they won't do this. But if you trade Andrew Wiggins, you understand what that looks like in the NBA circles, because not only did he sign a under market contract to play mm -hmm. for you, right? And you just turn around and you like Bob Myers would never do that. We know that Bob Myers is a very good, sure. very good GM. And so just from that perspective, yeah, I'm with you. I hadn't thought about how the Giants, you made me more depressed. I hadn't thought about the Giants <laughs> being screwed for the next three years. Yeah, because for me, it's like it hurts right now. I wanted to go to Giants games, but you're right though. What does this mean for the next four years? Like you're always going to get to sign guys like Hanniger and Manea, Manaya and those guys because those guys are injury guys. And they need they need somewhere to go, so they're always going to go to the Giants. But how about the big dogs, right? And that's kind of what Correa—the guys who have every option on the table in front of them. Yeah. yeah, and those guys come up every year. There's Juan Soto coming up. There's like Shohei coming up. There's sure. guys that pop up every year that are going to make ten year ten years three hundred million dollars. But you're telling me the one guy Correa actually wanted to come here, and you signed him, and then you pulled back at the last second. By the way, Scott Boris just master class in, in narrative <laughs> narrative setting. Like, cl like Clutch, we think does a good job, but Scott Boris is just out here immediately saying, "Look, he was dressed, he was wearing a suit, his family was there." And it's funny to me he that flew out his ninety year old grandma oh from Puerto Rico, yeah, just like <laughs> crying, all Jesus. that stuff. He's uh, it is interesting <laughs> that the Mets signed him for less, like twelve years, three fifteen. Like it was less than thirteen, three fifty. So that's interesting. But again, like the Twins offered him the same contract, right? So. And 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 somebody mentioned this the the new guy the new GM or the new um, front office guy that Farhan hired GM. is a Houston Astros guy, right? He's a Houston. Sure. So it's like that guy would have probably told you in the in, if if Carlos Correa had some weird issues with his ankle. Like 10 we years don't ago. want you don't want to offer him that because uh, I know what those medicals look like. Yeah, I was in Houston. You know, <laughs> like he's got to know. That's um, why I think it's. Uh, that's why I really think it's an ownership thing because it's like you can roll your eyes at. Farhan and like being overly pragmatic with the margin stuff, but I don't think he's an idiot. I don't think he's offering this contract without thinking it through and then rescinding it immediately. Like he's, he's not an amateur. This feels like an owner who's like an amateur move. Yeah. Yeah. Who's like, man, how much money? What? I, I don't want that anymore. You know, it, without That's like crazy. thinking, without thinking about the consequences of what it means, because he's a billionaire, and billionaires often think there are no consequences for their actions, right? 
That's a good way to put and, and these guys are way richer than Joe Lacob. Although, to be fair, like a lot of owners are a lot richer than Joe Lacob. Mm-hmm. Joe Lacob is not one of the most richest owners in the in the sports world. I mean, Steve Cohen is is this is nothing to him. Like Steve Cohen, this is a drop in the bucket for him. This is like when he, him negotiating contract is like me and you getting Chipotle for lunch. Like well, it's just nothing to the guy. And I think I think the, that's what it feels like. It feels like long term the Warriors are a I'm sorry, the Giants are a uh are, a, are an amateur organization so maybe that's what as a Warriors fan makes you feel better maybe that's like maybe the, the Warriors aren't aren't that right like Joe Lacob isn't that which which brings me I guess to the final piece is damn man is Jed York is Jed York a good owner because I spent a lot of time in my career hating Jed York but you know he's now figured out Kyle yeah. Shanahan's the man so you know the uh, the OOs in early 10s were not good to Jed but you know he he figured it out he hired the right coach and he yeah. just like he lets him take all the the bullets from the media every you know every few months. It's like, what is Kyle doing? No one's ever like, what's Jed doing? Nope. Just eating at French Laundry, living his life. <laughs> Jed, Jed's the and Kyle's figured it out. Dude, Kyle has figured it out. He's ten and four, <laughs> and he's the Winers might be the most consistent, stable team in the. And I don't. Know, it's um. And the other thing that's that's you talked about ownership. The other thing that's that's pro- problematic is like Farnside. He's the one taking all the hits. Like he's the one that's just out here because he's public facing. None of the own Giants ownership team has come out and That's, said anything. Yeah. It's crazy. It feels, it feels like it's what they want too. It's like we hired you to be the bad guy. That's you know, I'll be yeah. I'll be there. I'll be there when we sign guys so I can get the smiles. But sure. you know, you get to do the bad guy thing. And um why would he stay? Is the question. Is like why would he why what's what's the you know, long term, what's the point of if I, I mean, were anxiety, like what's I guess he gets paid a lot of money, but yeah, and there's only a few of these jobs out there. It's not like he can just go, you know, it's it's not like the Dodgers GM job is reopened or something, you know, like that. Well, Houston, so. Houston let their guy go, right? Houston let yeah. the, they won a World Series. And let, but yeah, you're right. You're right. He, I, I guess there was an assumption that Farhan was going to get a bunch of leeway to use the money, but it sounds, it's, it's tough, dude. And, and, and as, as a Giants fan, like baseball is 162 games. That, that's a lot of games that you have now turned the interest off a lot of people like who who's going of, to get a lot of J- jd davis yeah it's um yeah like correa wasn't about to win 100 games by himself but at least it's something to watch i would have been okay with 88 wins next season like that's and then the mm-hmm. giants might still win i mean they're not bad like they might still no. win 80 games mm-hmm. but who the hell is watching <laughs> it's anyway. all right well i uh, hope you have good holidays happy holidays to all our listeners we will be back after the Christmas game, probably the next day. Let's be real. We're probably not going live on Christmas evening. Appreciate everyone for subscribing. Chapman, welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.